Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Highly Suspicious Podcast with Louie and Preston. My name is Louie. My name is Preston. We are reporting once again live from the trap house. You said reinvigorated. I I just came back from vacation, you know what I'm saying. I definitely feel invigorated. My back is fucked up. I'm sore. I'm sleep deprived. But this is going to be one of our last podcast in this studio space that we've been using since we started. Preston's been kind enough to lend us and by extension lending you all this podcast space, this extra bedroom that we've soundproofed really well, has some fucking beautiful art, some of the most character in any room, so much so that a lot of people said that we should have a video version of this just so we could encapsulate the energy of this room like how we do it honestly though but yeah studio will be nice it'll be crazy the the plan was always to put the studio in my apartment whenever i got one with an extra bedroom me and caroline just moved in together and we have this room that's gonna be fucking perfect for podcasting hosting you know, guest and mm-hmm. shit. It might be a different energy. Yeah, just put your own a spin on it. Spot, but it's going to be fucking sick, and I'm excited. Well, I want you to know you will be getting some art from me and Nikki as like a housewarming present to help substitute awesome, space. That's that's my idea at least. I think to that's make a great sure idea. that we help in keeping the the same sort of vibe. Yeah, and I'm I'm just trying to repurpose all my dope ass posters that I had from my last apartment. I, I told uh, Caroline that the baby came a lot of blue poster. I don't care where it goes, but it has to go up it's somewhere. It's going somewhere. If it goes in the bedroom, the living room, the kitchen, the bathroom, I don't give a fuck. It's going somewhere. As far as some of the other posters, I don't know if how willing she is for me to put up the Zathura poster anywhere in the apartment. I don't know if she's going to be down for that. <laughs> That Which is understandable. Funny. I killed Wallace and Gromit. Isn't that sad? We, me, killed that one. I had a dope movie poster for Wallace and Gromit in The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Oh my god. And Such when I first movie. moved in to the old spot, uh, we used a ton of this fucking, like, double-sided adhesive tape. We used way more than we fucking needed to. And I couldn't even get that shit off the wall, bro. I couldn't even get the fucking tape off the wall, so I had to, like, tear the Wallace and Gromit poster off the wall. Oh, it, my God. And it, it was very sad because that was a great, super sick poster. Honestly, I'm just imagining that you had it literally all over the back of the thing. Was that pretty much how you did it? I had it, like, on both sides. All and, the way down? And, yeah. Oh, no. And I was, like, trying to pull it up, and I keep kept ripping it like little by little over and over and i was just screaming cursing in my room like i usually do sounding like a fucking madman like fuck shit every fucking time every time so i just had to rip the band-aid off literally and figuratively yeah and i just fucking tore the shit off and you know it was in a thousand pieces by that point that's tragic i but I'm sad for your loss. I also used adhesive tape on the Transformers poster, but I used significantly less. Yeah. So, so like, what we did was, like, we fucking, like, cut the tape in half 
So we literally used like half the fucking tape. Literally, and half we were the able of tape. to. I was able to get that off with minimal. Anyways, who gives a fuck about any of this? Damn, that's sad though. Nobody ruined your poster, being an idiot and using way too much tape. Honestly though, for for me, the the equivalent experience is using the command strips and then. It's like, you know, they advertise it as it's so easy to take off. You just pull down the little tab, whatever. Nah, I swear to God, I've always torn off a little bit of paint anytime I've used a command strip on the wall. You know, this podcast, uh, we have a lot of random beefs. I have beef with command strips as a brand and a company because that shit is expensive and it's fucking bullshit. We blew a baggy fucking put in these this soundproofing foam on the wall with command strips. Just for the command strips. The foam was cheap as fuck because we were able to buy it in bulk. And the worst part of it is that it didn't even fucking keep up all of them. Yeah. You're telling me I spent all that fucking money and it's still fucking falling off the wall like that? Yeah. Bruh. Bullshit ass product. Bullshit Terrible ass product. Terrible ass product. Whoever fucking let that shit on Shark Tank, fuck them. I will say, I was thinking about doing a recommendation today, too, just because I had a good experience there. If you all are ever traveling to Nashville, and you're like me, someone who likes to ball on a budget, go to the Hyatt House Airport. It's like the Hyatt Airport House or something like that. But it's a Hyatt, and we were able to book it on short notice for super cheap, it would cost us like 120 a night, so split yeah. two ways, it was like 60 bucks. It had a pool, it had a complimentary breakfast that wasn't that bad. I fuck with the It had like a whole fucking, so. it had a whole fucking like kitchen. Nice. In like the That's hotel, in like the room. Yeah. Where it had like a stove top. It had a fucking dishwasher, bro. So, as far as like, Dope. as far as like value you're getting for cheap, yeah. don't. Don't spend a thousand dollars to go directly downtown yeah. Nashville. Yeah, Cause, fuck that. Because you're not even gonna spend that much time in your room in the first place, and you're just paying for location at that mm-hmm. point. It's just and, somewhere to crash. Yeah, for real. Like I, I definitely had an experience like that with Airbnb, where I was just like, "This is maybe one of the shittiest places I have ever stayed in my life." <laughs> Like, I, I was too tall for the shower, and the shower head was already kind of just broken and trickling out and, like, spraying out. I and wish I wish I had traveled more before the, before the fucking Airbnb just became the same price as, like, hotels. True. Because, like, during the pandemic, like, when we went to Miami, we got pretty fucking good deals on those Airbnbs that yeah. we stayed at down there. And that was fucking sick, but that was also, you know, I think it's also about planning it out far enough in advance. Because I do think a lot of Airbnbs are just like, oh, people just want to not be in a hotel with a bunch of other people, but we can, you know, still charge them like it's, they're staying in a hotel and they just have the privacy. But like... And that's my problem with it because I'm so spontaneous. The only way I would pay that much money for an Airbnb is if it's like a fucking cabin. Or some shit yeah. that's really unique. 
Because they got some crazy-ass Airbnbs out there. Yeah, like a mansion Airbnb. That would be sick to rent out just, like, traveling somewhere. Just do it for, like, a night or two. Just feel like you're balling. Yeah, I feel like... That'd be hilarious. I feel like if you traveled somewhere with, like, a bunch of people and you split that shit, like, six different ways or something, like, that would be fucking... Yeah, that would be cool to do that at some point. That'd be lit. So here's my transition. We're doing it on the Smooth fly. Segue. We're doing it on the fly today, and I'm doing pretty good. It says uh, on the internet, according to Soundwave, who is uh, Kendrick Lamar's main producer, A1 since day one type of producer. Yeah. According to him, Kendrick has already begun making his new album. Oh shit! When asked about new music, he replied, "Oh, we always start immediately after." Like, we're starting on the next one now. Cap. That's fucking it's, wild. So, that that makes me happy that uh, Kendrick's seemingly not retiring. Yeah. And well, he is just kind of doing was, his own thing. It was kind of vague to just say, this is the last thing I'm going to produce on this label. Yeah. You know, because that was, is vague as fuck. He could cryptic. just mean, he, I'm done with music and for that, now, at least. And... We've been chronicling that for a while now. I feel like we've talked about that a few different times, even in the last episode, right. where we still weren't even well, sure. So if last he was episode, we were talking about how long everybody on that label has had in between, like their last shit and mm-hmm. now. And I think it'll be really interesting to see if the next Kendrick album does come out in the next like five years. Hopefully, you know? hopefully. Because if it does, then it, it's really telling, and that actually does mean that the label was just like fucking to everybody. That would be very telling, Preston. That'd I think be, that's an excellent point. That would be tragic if, it, if that is the case, that that label is the reason that Kendrick waited yeah. so long. If he releases like in the next two years, absolutely, you have them. to blame the label. Absolutely, it's on them. Not Even even if he doesn't say anything about it. That's yeah, I don't think he would day. say anything about it. No, he wouldn't. But... It so, would definitely be like, oh, they fucked up. Because <laughs> that would also mean that if he was that ready to start producing music again, yeah, that they were just like straight up holding Kendrick back. And that's just fun. That, that's like, I could see so many people being just livid. So one of the things that I got out of the show yeah. that I just saw in yeah, Nashville, which I kind of slightly introduced, but not really. I went and saw uh, Kendrick on the Big Steppers tour. Baby Keem was there, and Tana Leone, who is also part of this group label thing yeah. that uh, Kendrick is starting. Tana Leone started, and honestly, I haven't listened to that much of his music, but it was fucking awesome like yeah. the crowd like really responded to him like it sounded really good you know he was he was getting lit it was a it was a good opening act that, and that's that's nice that's good and then baby keem went and he played fucking nothing but hits yeah he played orange soda he played honest he played he played the hits he yeah. played every big song from baby keem which I, is a you lot know what good for him i think there could be a lot of anxiety around going on before Kendrick, mm-hmm. you know, and he so, set the bar high. Yeah, he set the that's bar good. really high. That's what it sounded like to me too. Is like yeah. that it just got like like any good opening act, no matter if it's music or stand up or whatever the fuck, 
should just get you hyped. Like, just, it should warm you up and get you fucking ready for, like, your entree. Like, you should be yeah. ready to go, already be vibing. And also, like, the beauty of it is, like, last time I went to a show like that, you know, it gives you time to warm up. You have a couple of drinks. Like, it's not yeah. what you're there or, for. Or so in, you can still go do shit. Or in me and my cousin's case, waiting for the gummy to kick in. Exactly. A uh, slight tangent, just kind of on what you were talking about. Uh, when we went to the Beach House concert, I might have posted this on my story or I might have sent it to a couple people, but before the Beach House concert, the opener Who they was like this lady playing the harp, and it was really good music, yeah. but it was not the energy you want before yeah. a fucking show because I was ready to fall asleep. Like It was beautiful music, and I don't even want to hate on the lady, but like, Christ's sakes, you're fucking... It sounded like the music they were playing in Harry Potter to make uh, That's the hilarious. big dog go to sleep. That's hilarious. Honestly, I am surprised that that is who they would have go on before Beach House. Beach House is already kind of sleepy. Yeah. And so it's just so funny maybe, that they Maybe they that was the up. thought process. Yeah. That, uh, I think that was somebody's thought process. They didn't but I feel want like to have something too hype beforehand. I feel like they, sh- they could have found somebody a little more similar. I don't know. Uh, yeah. th- there was the last time I was at like a big show like that was the yum center and i got to see portugal the man Mm -hmm. and the people who opened up for them were so perfect for it that it got me so hyped and i was just like honestly i had no idea who the fuck they were before and showed up and was like this is good I'm like I would have been okay if that was the only show I got to see that night was just the the opener. Yeah. Like they cool. they were killing it. And it was also another one of those where like the crowd's responding really well to it, which says a lot about just somebody's ability yeah. to perform and yeah. like kind of read the room. Cuz cuz it's really a hard position for a lot of opening acts, especially when it's oh, like yeah. okay, this is a mid to mainstream artist True. and they're taking somebody that is popular the so that'll be the case so they have to you know almost convince people to buy in mm-hmm. you know because they've never heard this music before and i feel like people are so they opinionated have... when they first hear shit People are quick to be like, you know, I don't like something. Yeah. Well, I also think part of why the bar is so high is like, uh, everybody's showing up and they're, it's almost fucked up because it's like, if you're opening, you know that the audience is not there to see you. Right. You know, like it's different if you're the main performer that night and you come in and you're just being, like, fucking worshipped by the crowd. Yeah. But the opener has to, like, earn the respect of the crowd. Right. From the get. Facts. That's just wild. Like, I can't imagine doing that. That would fuck me up. I'll, I'll, I'll say one more thing on it before I go back to Kendrick because I definitely want to talk oh, yeah. about fucking how crazy this fucking show was. But uh, I went and saw uh, this group called Beach Bunny in uh cincinnati mm-hmm. and the act that opened up for them was called milo and it was one of those things you know you see on the card and you're just like well that means absolutely nothing yeah to me. i've never fucking heard seen anything and you know you almost expect some bullshit and sometimes those low expectations can help because when milo comes out and they fucking 
and tear the roof off the stage. Fuck yeah. I mean, they had some guitar players in that band that could fucking shred. And That's they dope. were going insane. And I listened to a couple of their songs now. Yeah, like the Portugal the Man show was the same way where it's like same way the openers actually caught my attention and I was like wow they're they're actually good like like I said they I would have been satisfied if that was the only show yeah. I got to see that night how was Baby Keen like so the all the all the all the classics but like it, how was the performance because we were talking about it, it before where it's like he's known for being it was insane he was a fantastic live performer and I'm not breaking news on that because I feel like I've been told by other people who have gone and seen him already yeah but to, that he to just, just has this hear that he's good at something it, is it's different just, versus like seeing why it's he's just the energy good. because yeah. like for one people all fuck with his songs. And I feel like all the songs he played, like, he's not, like, a manufactured artist. It's He's a very, yeah. like, organically popular, like, newer artist. And, you know, one of the things that I have a problem with for some performances, they rely too much on the backing track. Yeah. Especially an artist like Baby Keem, I would worry about it because he has a lot of, like, melodic-type music that's heavily, like, you know, kind of distorts his voice and stuff. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's hard to replicate on the stage, so you're just like, fuck it, do the backing. Yeah. And then it's a Travis Scott show where he's just doing, like, ad-libs and shit. Yeah. But there was a backing track for Baby Keem, but he was performing every single song. Yeah. He was doing, he was really doing the shit. That's awesome. His his stage presence was definitely off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just like, holy shit, you know, the whole time. Yeah. And I, I don't... So he really drew you in. Yeah. Nice. So he played all the hits, and in my mind, I'm just like, please play Vent. Yeah. And I don't know if you know that song like that, but it's just a song that's very aggressive. Have you ever been punched in your motherfucking face? You know, it's that song. Yeah. And in my head, I just know that that would be a fantastic live song everybody and, has that song too if you're really yeah. into an artist you're gonna be like fuck there's this one sh song yeah. that I would kill to see live and my friend said that that song went fucking insane at the concert that they went to nice. of Baby Keem so I was just like please god and it seemed like it was almost the end of the show yo and I was like fuck he's not gonna play it and that was the last fucking song fuck yeah. I'm so happy for you. When I got to go see My Morning Jacket, I had a similar experience where I was like, where there, there was a song. There was like, honestly, because I had listened to every song of theirs recently. So there were some, they were fresh in my mind, and I was like, fuck, I need to see this one live. And it was by the end of listening to all their music, it was like three or four songs, which is a lot to ask for. Yeah. But it was a long show. They did like a double encore. So I got to see every fucking song that I wanted to see that night. Like, I, I could shit. not believe it. That's, that's always just the best good luck. feeling. God. Well, and that's why there are people who will just, like, keep going to shows. Because they're like, I gotta see them, like, do this one. Yeah. Like, I know people who will travel with bands just to get the one performance that they, yeah. they need. So, hearing them back to back, because we've also talked about this before. How similar do you think Kendrick and Baby Keem sound? They didn't sound similar at all just because of how the music is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like... It, it sounded very different. It was 
com- it was damn near completely different energies, at least from like a performance perspective. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. So how did so I have the main show go? I have a set list in front of me. Fuck yeah. Uh, this isn't the set list from the show I went to, but it's pretty similar. He played basically the entire new album. He played pretty much. Every song, yeah, except for a couple, and uh, some songs you just played part of them, yeah, like like you uh, told the same story, but just kind of. It made me appreciate the album even more nice. because the whole like performance is almost narrated by mm-hmm. this like voice that's also like on the album. So Kendrick starts out with uh, "United in Grief," just the way the album starts, yeah. That, that lie was insane. And well, I, and that sets a mood, too. Yeah. You know? And just like the That's album, dope. after that, he did In 95. I'll tell you that that was one of the craziest things fucking ever. Because yeah. he he was rapping it. The, the, the crazy-ass flows he actually yeah. does in that song. He did that he did in it. real life. The it man on the run. Mind. It was insane. And I, it would blow my mind too. It really goes off. And the visuals he had were really sick because, like, there was like a whole like screen behind. Yeah, a good light show. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, some of the songs he just played like part of, like uh, "We Cry Together," the song where he's fighting with this yeah. chick. He didn't like perform that. Yeah. But well, how do you do he that? He had then? like a silhouette of him and of the girl and it's like the fuck you no fuck you part chorus and just like on the album that goes into purple hearts you know that's dope that song's right before purple hearts yeah so just like cohesively as a show it was fucking sick but he also played like all the hits he After in '95, he did he did backseat freestyle, I think. So he did that one. He did Mad City. He did uh, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. Fuck yeah! And then he did like all the hits on Damn, like DNA, Humble, yeah, Loyalty, Love, yeah. And you know, there's not that much I could say about those. Obviously, it was fucking nuts. Damn, but you I, gotta see all of that. Yeah. That's wild. But I will say the most fucked up thing about this whole experience, something that doesn't sit right with me till this day, Cat. was on Sunday, it was the 10 year anniversary of swimming pools. Yeah. He did not even play swimming pools. Is that not just like a squandered opportunity? The 10-year anniversary of a song, and you don't even fucking play it? Is that not crazy? Maybe he, he said fuck it. He said fuck that song. He's probably played it a thousand times, True. and artists have the complex where it's just like, you know, they don't like playing the same hits like yeah. over and over again. Like, Tyler, the Creator, came out a few years ago. Bro, that man will come out and just with the crowd Tyler said that said a few years ago that like he gets tired of playing Yonkers yeah like at every fucking show because like that was his hit in, like 2012 yeah and can you imagine it's been like, a long ass time yeah performing the same fucking shit for it's been 10 years since yeah. 2012 holy shit we're getting old Preston holy shit that's fucked up 
nah, I can totally see him be like, fuck that song. I'm tired of this fucking song. Yeah. Because I would be too. That's just a lot. I think of, I think like the highlights live yeah. for me, I think that King Kunta, that's oh, one of my yeah. favorite songs ever. So I was just hyped to see that live. And at the end of the show, he does uh, the song Mr. Morale. Which is like the song on the album with Tana Leone. So Tana Leone comes out. And this is why I think that he's really into this label thing now. Like he brings out Tana Leone. And they get, have like all these like pyrotechnics and shit for him. There's fire in front of Tana Leone. There's Holy like fireworks shit, like behind him. And his part on the song is a very short part it it's just like a but little really little bit up. of yeah. vocals in there kendrick literally like turned to him and he was saying like tana leone and then he said it again tana leone what the fuck he was he was just making you know sure that people fucking know who this person yeah. is if this is an actual label that he's trying to get off the ground and this is one of the original signees he's trying to yeah. get that off the ground that's dope but yeah, I fucked with that, and after that, they did Family Ties. Baby Keem came out for Family Ties. I thought that was the end of the show, because... Uh, they did Family Ties? They did Family Ties together. I thought that was awesome. It was crazy. I have a shitty video of uh, them both on stage going crazy. Man. But yeah, that song went crazy, obviously. And yeah, it's hard to talk about all that was fucking great about it. Yeah. Just because I'm just like, oh, this is this was crazy. This was crazy. Did your, uh, your uh, gummy hit good? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, Wild show. But there was this, like, quarantine box that Kendrick was in. Interesting. And the, like, narration voice that's, like, narrating the whole thing says, Mr. Morale, it is time for your COVID test. There's like four four guys in like hazmat suits oh my in this God. little box with them, and you can like see them like sticking like a Q-tip up his nose in the box. What the fuck? After that, he does all right, which was pretty sick. You know, probably just associating like yeah. uh, coronavirus imagery with it, just so that oh just so gosh. that it's clear that there's. That's the message yeah. of All Right. We've talked about that before, just like how positive that song is and how it can kind of be applied to anything yeah. that, you know, just with perseverance, like at the end of the day, we're going to be fucking all right. Mm -hmm. So they did that. And then it turns out that Kendrick's COVID test is positive and, uh, you know, not, not really, of course, but yeah, then he's put what in, they do with him? then he's put in isolation and he's just in the box alone, and he does mirror in the box, just elevated, and I thought that was really beautiful because, yeah. you know, that song he's talking about, I choose me, I'm sorry. So, in the show, it's isolation that's forced upon him, which is a different angle than what I've been taking yeah. from the song, which is him wanting to be isolated, becoming a better person. And that's when it clicked to me how much of, like, a quarantine experience album that album yeah. is. Just because he's talking about, like, finally going to therapy and shit. That's just some, like, yeah. regular shit that a lot of people did need 
during quarantine, yeah. and a lot of people came out of quarantine with this so kind of new perspective. Yeah, but yeah, the last song he did was uh, "Savior," and it was just a crazy dope. note on, to end on because at the end of that song, he's like protecting my soul in the valley of silence. Yeah, and then it just he just kind of that's just such a great end of the show because that shit just like reverberated yeah. like through the arena and then he's just like my name is uh Kendrick Lamar Oklahoma or whatever the fuck <laughs> he's calling himself now but yeah mine mine fucking blowing show definitely worth the trip awesome that's fucking awesome I took a bunch of fucking videos that are only worth anything to me because they're terrible quality but I can hey, like at least they're worth something to you yeah Damn, we went for fucking 30 minutes with that. I'm gonna fucking cut Stop a that. Bu- yeah. Ugh. I'm gonna cut a bunch right. of that bullshit. We out. can do our musical intermission now. Fuck yeah. You finally get to play me that song that you've been waiting like a whole ass month to play me. It's wild. Let's go. I'm so fucking excited. Black car on the back street, little me asleep on the back seat, low by street lamps in the blackness in between. My parents' argument, picking up speed, in and out bad dreams. That's what they said when she saw him dead in the road. Now I know it was the shadow of them black wings. Unmarked, followed us for 10 blocks. Nigga said if they try to make the stop, I'm playing. Brake lights, bright red, lit his face like a demon. We took a left, they went straight, we all laughed, but I seen it. Some had the trap in the trunk of the beamer. Some kept the cracks up front so they could eat them. Some went through the windshield, some went to the precinct. Some got yapped. You just listened to... Christine by Billy Woods. So Preston, I'm gonna start with you. Um, <laughs> what do you think overall thoughts of the song? Is I like this it. Unlistenable? No, it's not unlistenable. It's not unlistenable. I like it, but I like it because it's weird, and I'm a weird person. Hell yeah. I like the sort of loose guitar sort of sound in the background, yeah. very vibey. I like the hidden messages and shit in there. Like when I'm reading through it on Genius, like. I actually am reading the lyrics and can see some of that shit, and it's it's kind of crazy. And it is, it's got like, like because of that guitar, it's almost got this hypnotic sort of sound, and it's it's a, it's a just a fucking trip, dude. I wouldn't say hypnotic, but it definitely like creates the atmosphere like around the song that's just fucking insane. Yeah. And I just feel like it's the perfect soundscape for like this this weird disjointed story that he's telling because mm-hmm. it's not you understand what i'm talking about it's not really like it's hard to piece together like a linear story throughout but this. i see it like it's like, kind it's, of crazy because the, the the one that really hit me was just connecting the dots that he's talking about like getting pulled over and shit yeah right so i want to start with this so this is one of my favorite songs of the year. Definitely a top five song of the year. Yeah. I love Billy Woods. I've been listening to him for a little while now. And he's just one of the darkest, most nihilistic, like, underground rappers that you find. Like, this sound is so dark. Like, yeah. the beat sounds like It dusty. is dark. Like, it fucking... This sounds like it's something that you'd find, like, a dusty vinyl without a label in the corner of your house and you're just like what the what fuck, the fuck is, is this but i wanted to start with the chorus from mandeville to slagoville coffin running around upset and upset and upset in the town and i think that's it's so weird 
but it just brings me back to it like it's really interesting and i pieced together that coffin running around he's talking about cars because that's kind of the theme throughout this song different experiences in the car but there is a jamaican urban legend of a ghost slash demon yeah named mr brown riding in a three-wheeled coffin with black crows buzzards perched on top of it more than just a ghost story when locals reported sightings of the coffin parked in the area crowds of people would rush to the area often causing a commotion and disruption parentheses upsetting the town that's dope so i think that that idea is fucking sick on its own just like a ghost car which is something we've talked about in a recent episode actually uh, it's also like a good fit for the sort of imagery that's presented in the verse yeah because imagery right it's just full of imagery that's that's the word and it's continuing the same idea of like death because that is just that is just a instead of you know it being the grim reaper on some fucking horse it's just like oh a cop yeah a bringer of death a bringer of of people so Bro, I could really read through this entire song just because I think it's so incredible. Black car on the back seat, little me asleep on the back seat. Yeah. Lulled by street lamps and the blackness in between. My parents' argument picking up speed in and out, bad dreams. Yeah. And I didn't realize this until recently, but the next lyric is, that's what they saw, that's what they said when they saw him dead in the road. So, that's almost its own like individual well, so, story there so that he saw a fucking dead body on the road and his parents lied to him and told them that he was just having bad dreams oh wait wait for it louis because the next line is now i know it was the shadow of them black wings like as in foreshadowing the unmarked Death. cop that follows them for the next 10 yeah. blocks who is the devil can you imagine how scary that situation oh, would be yeah. if you saw a dead body and you're in a position where you didn't even do anything wrong, but you're still you're around the accusing eye of the law. And I just love the imagery, just almost explaining like I think this is something that we talked about recently too, like how he explains like different outcomes to the story that are possible mm-hmm. that didn't happen to them. Some had the trap in the trunk of the beamer. Some kept the cracks up front so they could eat them. Some went through the windshield. Some went to the precinct. Some got yapped out in driver's seats and parking lots and left bleeding. Mm -hmm. Those are all different ways that a police encounter can end. You can end up arrested. You can end up getting fucked up. Uh, I I thought this line was weird. The... uh, some kept the cracks up front so they could eat them. I didn't know what that meant until the other day when I realized that that's something that people do when they get pulled yeah. over. They swallow whatever illegal drugs that they have. Dude, I mean, that's actually kind of fucking wild, though, because you're basically, that's like a death sentence in my mind. Yeah. You know? If your last resort is, fuck it, guess I'm going to get rid of the evidence. And I think that he's kind of comparing cars to, like, real life. In this story, too, because the last uh, line of the verse is, I paid 100 for the whip, so when the police took it, I never paid, no, never mind. Easy come. That's kind of a perspective you can look at in life, too, that if uh, we're just born to die anyways, you know, it yeah. doesn't matter, right? 
the imagery in the second verse, too, I like it a lot. It's just so crazy. I like they looking for the vehicle, took the plates off, put it in his granny backyard, told her something believable. He got killed. It was still there for a year or two. I'd seen it driving through Granny on the stoop. She never waved back. Gr- granny on the stoop, she never waved back. So... That shit's wild. And then high grass, four fat flats forward with a front passenger door mismatch. Can you not envision yes, this bro. entire scene in your head from the fucking Granny on the stoop to the high grass to the car that's just sitting in the Blacked back seat? out trunk. With the rifle rat. So that's that's a car that they did some shit. I like I like the hunter checks his traps in there. That's like. What do you think that means? I thought that that might relate yeah. back to the police. Thing. So I was about to say, do you think it is the cop checking his traps, or is it traps in the in the drug term, and it's the hunter is a drug dealer? Maybe. I don't know, because cause that part with the kill switch, gingerbread house full of abused kids, inflatable sky dancers set no money down. Just the way that verse is written is so crazy, because, because all of this is imagery, and then he says the hunter checks his traps, gingerbread house full of abused kids, and it's just like, at this point, that's so abstract. He could be talking about fucking anything. Yeah. Gingerbread house full of abused kids... I think that might be talking about, like... From a real... I'm just know, trying to get something out of that statement. Like, over-analysis, almost. It's uh, not over-analysis, though. Because Gingerbread House being a symbol of innocence with an immediate comparison to abused the, children. The juxtaposition. Right. And then he has, like, four bars where he's talking about some shit that we don't even know what he's talking about. And then he goes back to where we were just talking about it inflatable sky dancer said no money down every sign said if you lived here you would be home now yeah like the whole fucking scene in my head it's literally like a movie the way he's fucking telling it just the way and it's just fucking incredible writing bro and then the end of the song see you see what i mean like i don't know how all these different things are necessarily connected like yeah and i've listened to it a thousand fucking times but part of the enjoyable nature of it is that yeah there's so many things to pick up on and like just try to understand but yeah the end of this is just so fucking uh nihilistic like i said depressing asleep at the wheel gently over the guardrail flipped heads or tails one died she survived asked why i replied god's not real Duck the question in a hospital room full of flowers. I plucked the best one. In a world full of cowards, it's bound to be tension. Well, so, also, we're both looking at it on Genius. It says, strawberry on deck, strawberry already with... And it's a reference to a person who tried to drive to see their probation officer after taking painkillers. And while driving, they blacked out, rear-ended another car, and then tried to drive away. An off-duty police officer witnessed the episode and arrested him at gunpoint. So that that's goes where, into that's everything where the, that we that's were where talking the, about. The one dodge she survived. Yeah, because he flipped over the guardrail. Yeah, but yeah, that's so crazy that maybe that's the whole perspective of the song. Yeah, because that's about the police and about see, he just has like 
the most like crazy niche references that sometimes you do have to look up and even with annotations, I mean, Wait, some of this people so, don't even have anything for it. They're so, just like, I have no fucking idea, bro. Did you know that the title of the song is a reference itself? To what? A Stephen King novel, which is about a haunted, murderous car. Oh. That's so hilarious. It, so it all goes in together. It's all about the cars. Ghost cars. There we go. All right. I got work news. Something crazy happened at my job today while I wasn't there, of course. Um, we have crazy customers. I'm going to preface this. I was literally ranting with one of my coworkers the other day about how people in that area of town are just fucking weird and old and wealthy and don't give a fuck. Uh-huh. And so they'll be the bitchiest, craziest people on the fucking planet. And some of them are just like straight up senile, whatever. Also, while the miner was there, of course, an old man came through the drive-thru and was not wearing any pants. I just can't even believe that shit. Good God. Um, but no. Do you think so, he's using senile as an excuse to be uh, a flasher? So, 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 wait for it. Call the cops. You know. Mm-hmm. One of them, like, you know, saw him, absolutely knows that this motherfucker was not wearing pants. Another person was like, yeah, I definitely saw, like, pubes. And so he was not wearing anything. Uh, unsurprisingly, the pigs did not do anything about it. The dude paid with cash and was wearing sunglasses. <laughs> And just got a black coffee because he wanted to do it. Like, that seems planned to me. Sunglasses, paying with cash, getting the fastest thing possible. And, like, there are. There are sick motherfuckers out there who would really plan something like that just to fuck with people and see if they can get away with it and, like, they get off to it and whatever. And one of my covers, like, you should have spilled it on him. And genuinely, I would have. Like, I straight up would have. And, like, that is, honestly, I think the most fair pain that that man could receive. Like, if they do catch him, I just want to see him, and I'm, like, we should just get to dump an entire fucking urn of fresh coffee all over his balls. Because fuck that dude. I want him to suffer. What if it was the, just some senile guy that who just forgot to put on his plant where, pants? Where he was, and he fucking... Uh, In the car? Got, With no got, pants on? Got black coffee's favorite drink fucking poured all on his nuts and now he doesn't have a dick anymore. That would be on your conscience, Preston. So, so I should show mercy. No. That's you, the Jedi white, Jedi way. Dude, no. The fucking kids at work are like my own children. Like, if somebody does something to them, I will, I will defend them. They're too no. innocent for this world. Yeah. Like, good God. Ugh. I really wish it had spilled on him. I hope it did spill on him as he drove away like a prick. I was literally... I don't even know how I would have reacted if I was there. I would have taken a picture of his license plate. That would have been the smartest thing to do. Uh, I mean, even if he did do it accidentally, like, nobody wants to see all that. Somebody, if he is senile, I would fucking track him him down and fucking find somebody to talk to and be like, you gotta... You, you gotta you do something about you this. You can't let somebody who's so senile he can't put his fucking pants on drive around in the car. That's simple. And that could be a reason why uh, he would have cash. Just imagine his senile ass getting pulled over on his way back. He's got the coffee, fresh coffee, and gets pulled over and just doesn't even realize that he doesn't have pants on. And st- is like, you know, they're like, sir, step out of the vehicle. Does it's just flapping around and he's like, oh and, my god! And his nuts are sagging to his fucking knees. 
And the cop's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Because, like, even if I was in a position of authority, I don't know how I would deal with an individual like that. And this is the shit that people have to put up with at work? Like, good God. There was a lady the other day who came through and was just ranting. Like, straight up. About what? Did not order. I, I was trying, I was just like, uh, you know, what can we get started for you? And she just immediately goes into a rant about our cups and how she spilled it all over her pants the other day and she got it in one she of her the cups. one of the uh, hot cups to make sure that it was a little more secure last time uh-huh. and it seemed smaller and she felt like she was getting Fuck. like swindled because it was a smaller cup in her head and I was like no ma'am like the the conclusion was I had to just say no ma'am like our our medium cup size and our for our hot drink and our ice drink is the same amount of ounces. Like, it might look a little different, but, you know, things can be wider and shorter and have the same amount of fucking space in them. That's how geometry works, lady. Um, God damn it. And, but it took her five minutes to order because she just wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. And she was like, and I called your headquarters and they said that they're changing uh, suppliers to save money. And I'm like, yeah, they're going, they're cutting corners on a lot of stuff and, you know, to be cheap. Yeah, and then it's like, you know. But there was a certain point where, like, as soon as the interaction was done, I just walked out of the drive-thru because I had been in drive-thru for a little while and I was just like, I cannot deal with this person right now. Like, I will lose my shit if I see her face because that was the most annoyed I've ever been with anyone at work. And I've seen a lot of dumb shit in my day. But good God, get over yourself. And, and she's telling and, and she's telling you like you control about it. And she she's telling you like you and control just the cups like, for the company. You know, I I genuinely was just one second away from being like, ma'am, I'm just at fucking work. Like, please leave me the fuck alone about this shit. This is not my problem. Yeah, I do not. What give, the fuck do you want to drink, woman? I don't get paid enough for this. I at all. Apparently, she has kind of yelled at people before about this because when they're nuts, they're nuts. They don't hold back. They don't Karen. give a fuck. Oh yeah, she was a total Karen. Big Karen energy. Um, no. Finding stupid shit to care about. For for us, one of the biggest things is if we have a customer yell at a minor, that that just makes us livid because it's like, bro, get a fucking life. You are yelling at a child who's just trying to make a little bit of money. And it, it's over the dumbest shit, too. Like, she just thinks that she's getting scammed out of a little bit of coffee. What really set her off is when I was like, okay, so you want an ice drink? And she was trying to say that she wanted it in the hot cup, but could not verbalize that. Was physically incapable of saying, I want it in, in the hot cup because I had the ice cup spill all over the place. Which those lids do suck. I understand. But good God, how the fuck do you have the amount of time to complain about? Again, it's not your fucking fault. It's not your goddamn cup. So, so for me, do I look like Heine brother? Do you? Do I look like a Heine brother? Two people. Do I look like Mr. Heine? The amount of people that are like this. Does this name tag say Preston Heine? Preston Heine. I am the secret owner of Heine Brothers. It has been me all along. Um, I've been pulling the strings. Boss, you know? That would be a Darth Sidious situation because you'd be making a union to fight the company, but you'd also be pulling the strings, creating I the am wars the and shit. Uh, that would be me. 
goals, pulling the strings like that. So, so uh, evil of me. I think we should cut it because that's fucking loud. Yeah. Fuck the lawnmower, man.